Regretful Reproach by Clarence Carter Smoke billowed into the air, joining clouds of a similar hue. Water jostled us back and forth. Under other circumstances, I could have fallen asleep to that gentle rocking. That, accompanied with a glass of Pinot, could have lulled me into the best night's rest, except the steel husk of our cruise liner sunk into its watery grave. The salty air kissed our faces. The Coast Guard is on the way. Well, that's what they said. A fleet of rafts headed west, all known survivors of the Daytona cruise. If not for their maxed capacity, we'd have chosen Carnival or Royal Caribbean. We never should have settled. Pink and purple streaks matted the horizon, warning us of nightfall. Andy sat on the far side, eyes wide with fear, but otherwise unharmed. One would think in such a traumatic incident he'd want his mother, but he reminded me frequently that I'm not his mother. My husband's face contorted into something I'd never seen before, anguish and horror. With a touch of resentment, I watched Andy. We hadn't bonded since the adoption. We knew it would be a struggle because he was old enough to remember them, his real parents. I tried not to hold that against him, tried not to hate him for the things he said. Lifting his head back into the boat and wiping his mouth, Carl looked green. The Dramamine was on board. His glasses sat crooked on his face. The surf had spread the boats apart. We'd have to regroup when the Coast Guard arrived. They're on the way, I reminded myself. Even before our ship sank, we'd gone through a rough patch. Carl, my husband's best friend, had recently become a widower. My hand traced down to my belly, but quickly I pulled it away, remembering. Old habits do die hard, after all. Adopting Andy hadn't gone according to plan, either. The agency cost a lot more and took twice as long as expected. Only a sliver of our ship remained on the horizon. If not for the rising smoke, it would have vanished completely. Gulls called from above. Andy drew back from the edge, nearly tripping over his father, Jean's feet. There's something down there, he said. Jean glanced off the side and shrugged. Probably a fish. I had my doubts because Andy often tried to get a rise out of Jean. From my periphery, I saw something move. It's just a wave, I thought. A rogue wave. An uneasy feeling swept over me. You've been through something horrible, and you're being paranoid. The morning's fight lingered in my mind, remembering what he'd said. I don't like you. You aren't my real parents. Those words were sharp. Too sharp. We aren't your parents, and you're not my... Again, something shifted beneath the water, too big to be an ordinary fish. First, I thought of a shark, then a dolphin. I stood and tried to get a better look, but the waves bucked me into Carl's lap. Politely, he helped me back into my seat. That's no ordinary fish. I didn't get a good look at it, only enough to see a shimmering green tail. 
I had little to compare it to because I didn't fish for sport or eat it, except the ones that came in a can, I suppose. Shouting drew our attention to the boat furthest away. Judging by the man standing in the center, looking only three feet tall, they were sinking. He waved his hands, calling for help. One of the others turned to assist. I didn't think they'd make it in time. The raft dwindled quickly. We were too far away to see their faces and barely heard them. Long before their rescue came, the boat was a popped balloon. Four of them paddled toward help, battered by waves, except after a long blink, there weren't four. I squinted, imagining I'd only lost them in the surf. Dad climbed on board first, followed by the daughter, then the son. I watched as all three of them turned, looking for the fourth. Then they started calling. Several times they screamed into the abyss for Mom or Betsy. The commotion must have drawn Jean's attention, too, because he watched with a hand blocking the sun. Five minutes of Betsy's search party was all I could stomach. The daughter was hysterical, screaming at the top of her lungs, I want my mommy. Painful, writhing screams came from the now-crowded boat. Andy watched with horror. You aren't my real parents. You're right about that, Andy. I'm not your real mother, and you're not my Billy. Billy is dead. Instinctively, my hand went to where the bump had been. My Billy wouldn't act like that. Another splash disturbed the waves. Hair. I definitely saw hair. My mind raced trying to associate anything in the water that might have any, but I came up with nothing. Puzzled, I stared into the water where it had been. It went by too fast. Swallowing hard, I turned to Jean. Something is wrong, he nodded. That once stoic, hardened face now wore concern like aftershave. Although I couldn't put it in words, something in the atmosphere had changed, not only had that woman gone missing, but something else, something unexplainable, as if the air had been sucked out of my lungs and a weight pressed on my chest. Leaning over the edge, I stared into the water. Between the dissipating light and the constant waves, I couldn't see anything. The raft trembled. I lost my footing and landed sideways on the floor. Carl helped me again. What was that? Something hit us. Jean turned to me with a disapproving look. He was about to say something, probably about how ridiculous it sounded, but it happened again. This time he nearly fell over. I'd never seen his eyes grow so wide. The color ran out of his face before he said, There's something under there. Is someone under there? Betsy? Had she swum all the way over in a daze? I looked at their boat, where panic had turned into grief. Someone swimming that distance underwater wasn't possible, not even an Olympic swimmer. I thought I saw hair. Jean's face turned up in confusion. Hair? I nodded, then pointed to the water. It looked like human hair. He scoffed. 
a person under there. The words had barely escaped his lips when a hand curled up the canvas from the outside. Thin, ebony fingers with webs between each digit stretched. Human, but somehow inhuman. My breath caught in my throat. I couldn't speak, but wanted to scream. It inched further on board, sharp nails finding purchase. My legs went weak and goose flesh prickled my skin. Before the hand returned to the water, I caught brown eyes staring back at me. When it saw me, it withdrew into the tide. Gene waved his hand. Honey, are you okay? My blood ran cold. Out of everything I could have said, I managed. It can't be. He opened his mouth to respond, but didn't. A woman with webbed fingers had stared back at me. Except she wasn't a woman. She was a... An obnoxious splash, followed by a scream, startled me. She'd breached the water, wrapped her arm around Carl's waist, and pulled. Before I could catch him, he'd gone overboard. The last thing I saw was a white sneaker swallowed by the ocean. Grabbing the edge and staring into the blackened water, I screamed, Carl! Instantly, I knew what had happened to poor Betsy. She, like Carl, never saw it coming. Carl! Where they'd submerged came pink bubbles laced with blood. Mermaids. Even as it crossed my mind, I rejected the thought. The image of Disney princesses came forth, and I couldn't help scoffing. But then I remembered sirens, evil mermaids. That's not real. That's folklore. The voice in my head told me they were things of stories, but I'd seen her. We'd made eye contact, and she was very real. Those weren't the blissfully unaware eyes of a fish or a manatee. Oh, no. They were conscious, self-aware eyes. Hungry eyes. Grabbing their shirts, I pulled them back. They're sirens. Andy's face had gone pale. His lower lip trembled as a tear stood in wait. It happened too fast. He didn't have a chance to process it. Carl, the same guy who'd showed him the dancing straw over breakfast, was gone. Gene turned. If not for his panic-stricken face, he might have laughed. He may have even mocked me, but his heart wasn't in it. He opened his mouth to say something, but I beat him to the punch. I know how crazy that sounds, but I know what I saw. A thick shadow covered us like a wet blanket. Even though they were yellow and orange, some of the rafts were lost in the darkness. The gulls had gone quiet, leaving us with nothing but the crashing waves. That's when the screaming began. The boat closest to us capsized with a whoosh. It wasn't an accident. They hadn't struck a rock or popped it on coral. Arm over arm, the man paddled in our direction. I knelt down, aiming to assist him on board when he got closer. Before he arrived, he got jerked underwater. The woman, who was only a stone's throw behind him, stopped. Her arms flailed in panic before she too disappeared with a drowned cry. 
Their raft became nothing more than a bandage on the ocean's surface. Andy wrapped his arms around my legs and wept loud, hideous sobs. I want to go home, he cried. A part of me flinched at his touch. Was it from the panic or a small resentment growing inside? I couldn't tell. I fought back against the thought and embraced him. He needed me. Hell, I needed him. My foot stumbled on the oar. I lifted it, inspected it. It bounced against my palm, checking the heft. Gene must have read my mind because he took it. We don't need a weapon. The Coast Guard is coming. Aside from the waves, everything had gone eerily quiet. I imagine the others were licking their wounds, cautiously watching the water with petrified faces. I had a sinking feeling it wasn't over. My pulse pounded in my temples. I whispered, Row. I wasn't sure if he heard me or not and intended to repeat myself, but the oar splashed into the water. We weren't going to wait for the Coast Guard. Couldn't. We were sitting ducks. Even together, we stood no chance against them. There has to be an island or a sandbar or something. Andy's arms wrapped around me again. I'm scared, he whispered, his shaking body confirmed. I know, but I know, baby. Either the others had a similar idea, or they'd taken our lead. When I looked back, I swore I saw three of them bobbing in the moonlight behind us. I swore their oars were beating the waves. There was a long silence, followed by an indistinguishable shriek. My eyes searched the water, looking for the source. They were too high-pitched to be human. In a trance, Jean stopped rowing. He sat up straight, as if someone had called his name. Staring off into the distance, his eyes didn't waver. They're singing, he said. It's magical. Singing? That's when I remembered the lore. With only their voices, they lured sailors to their death. Fixing his glasses, he said, They sound like angels. My heart hammered as I imagined him plunging into the water. Don't move, I said. He didn't respond. Shuffling through my pockets, I came across gum. As quickly as I could unwrap it and pop it in my mouth, I did. Once it was wet enough, I stuffed each stringy half into an ear. Perturbed, he gave me a strange look. Before he could fish it out, I swatted his hand. From somewhere behind us came another splash, followed by screams. Todd! Come back, Todd! Their voices were confused and scared. I didn't have to look back to know Todd's fate. We hadn't gotten far before something slammed us from beneath, launching Andy into the air. He could have gone over. I threw my leg across his lap, hoping it would hold him. Beneath my feet, the boat softened. The waves and screaming had disguised the hiss of our deflating raft. We didn't have much time. Jean, Jean! He didn't hear me because of the gum. 
I nudged him and grabbed a handful of canvas to emphasize our crisis. What little I could see of his face turned pale and ghostly. Another ram startled me. This time, the shape of a hand came up through the sagging rubber. An arm swung over the edge, followed by a body. It threw itself on board, landing inches from my legs. She shrieked and flopped, wriggling closer. Her razor teeth sunk into Jean, hands clasping him still for another greedy bite. His voice bellowed in terror and disbelief. She drew back, ready to take the third chomp. Blood trickled from her lips, running down her chin. When she turned to look at me, Jean gathered his senses and smacked her with the paddle. It made a hideous crack. Her scaly green tail flopped and waggled. Howls escaped betwixt bared teeth. With another powerful blow, Jean broke the oar. She collapsed, unmoving. Too loud, Jean asked, Is it dead? I didn't dare check for a pulse or even step too close. A wave penetrated the walls, soaking my feet. A second wave followed. Blood trickled from the open wound on Jean's leg. We had to get her off the boat. Without her added weight, we were already sinking, not to mention how terrified we were that she'd awaken and start again. Her tangle of brown hair moved when I grabbed her tail. It scared me and I tripped over the edge, nearly falling in. The scales were slimy. Jean took under her arms, hoisted her naked torso up and over the edge. If she were alive, she made no effort to swim. Following her with my eyes, she sunk. The darkness decreased our visibility. If there were other rafts still following, I couldn't tell. Help, I cried, hoping they'd hear us. We're sinking. Andy, too, called for help. Water cascaded over the edge like a broken dam. A pool formed around our ankles. Three hundred feet to my right, another monster breached. She watched, waited. From the distance, I couldn't make out any distinct features, only black hair, pale skin, and those horrendous teeth. Screaming didn't help. She closed the distance, treading water, slow and menacing. No longer did they need the element of surprise or camouflage. They had us right where they wanted us. Jean raised the remnants of the oar in a last-ditch effort to save us. As she drew closer, her face illuminated, not supernaturally, but by some source of light. The chopping air above grew louder. The spotlight left her and illuminated the raft. The noise must have scared her off because when I turned back, she was gone. A rope and basket descended. The Coast Guard. Andy flopped in, followed by Jean. I was the last on board, mostly because I struggled escaping the mush that had become our raft. Before rising, my eyes danced around the ocean's surface, searching for them. Distantly, I saw two more helicopters. The blurt of a ship's air horn sounded somewhere behind us. If not for the enveloping darkness, I may have seen other survivors— I may also have seen them.
trembling in the helicopter, Andy crawled to me. Someone tended to Jean's wounds as my son wrapped his arms around my neck. He may not be my Billy, but I love him nonetheless. I whispered this into his ear, promising that everything would be okay. The worst was over. This has been Regretful Reproach, written by Clarence Carter, narrated by Danielle Muthing. Thank you.